Welcome to the Revenge Body Podcast. I'm Maverick Willett, and I've helped thousands of divorcees and single moms get snatched waist, jaw-dropping booties, and confidence that captivates the attention of men in every room, all without dieting, cutting carbs, giving up wine night, or starving yourself. All right, you all, this is a very, very special episode of the Revenge Body Podcast. I've got the original Shield Maiden on with me today. She is someone who is extremely special to me, someone who has influenced me profoundly, is, is the inspiration behind my, my now full-time career and a huge part of you know who I am. And uh, that is my mom, Lynn Willett. Super happy to have you on, mom. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Awesome. So let's jump into it. I thought it would be really cool to start because I know people want to know your background. I've talked about it. I've I've kind of talked about it here and there about your your humble beginnings, but I want, you know, I know they want to hear it straight from you. Kind of talk about, you know, as much as you're willing to delve into how you grew up, where you grew up and kind of the the beginnings of who you are now. Okay. And this I guess this our background really influences, you know, us as adults, but I was very poor. We were very poor. I was raised by a divorced mother. She had three children in the 60s. And and we lived in a rural area. And and so, you know, it was it it was a humble beginning. Not that we starved, but you know, we were poor. We didn't have very much at all. You can imagine, or if you can imagine, a woman trying to raise three children in the 60s where you know divorce was frowned upon. Very strong woman, very compassionate, very a very good mother, a very strong person. But that's that's how it all that's how it began. But I guess as as it relates to my interest in fitness, I this is a this is an odd story, but even at 10 years old, I, I liked muscles. I liked muscular physiques. And uh, there was an ad in a comic book. It was called Charles Atlas, the Charles Atlas ads. And it was about the um, skinny, frail guy getting sand kicked in his face by this big, big guy on the beach. So he, he goes out and he, he starts working out and he, he gets fit. And, you know, he transforms his life. And so for me, I think it was more than just lifting weights. It was taking charge of your life and becoming, inventing yourself. And I used to think that it was just because I wanted to work out and lift weights and be strong. But I think the psychological part is is that, you know, when you are in a situation, regardless where you feel powerless, you like the stories of where someone went from nothing, self-made, became, you know, they transformed themselves. So I think that's the story that inspired me rather than just the just the lifting weights, just the having, you know, a fit muscular body. It was it was really about taking charge of your life and, and being in control of what happens. So when did you actually start lifting weights? I started when I was 18. I had a two-year-old daughter by then. So I had your sister when I was 17. And I don't know where the weight set came from. It was a hand-me-down from someone, but it was a bench and some dumbbells. And I think they were filled with concrete back then. So some dumbbells and a, a bar. So it was just something really simple. And I, you know, the dumbbell curls, the bench press, and later got into the leg work. But, you know, it's just all about being, just getting stronger, seeing that, you know, seeing that weight increase, being able to do more reps, seeing, seeing yourself change, becoming stronger. And then, and I mean, and that was really, at that time, was it still pretty uncommon for women to be into strength training? Yes. I mean, it was unheard of, really. I mean, there were women athletes, of course. I mean, and I always admired the, uh, you know, the basketball players that were in high school that I saw, you know, the the female athletes, but weightlifting was just not a thing. It, it was, it didn't exist. I mean, you would get funny looks like, why would you want to do that? And, and why are you, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to be a man. You want to, you're going to look like a man. You're going to get so muscle bound. And it was so funny because if only it were true that you could get, 
muscular that easily. I mean, there are very some very genetically gifted people who do put on muscle easily, but I'm not one of those. And so I was like, I just wish it was that easy. If only, right? I'm st- I'm still fighting that stigma with, with you know our clients and and the people who follow me on social media who are just petrified that if they look at a set of dumbbells, they're gonna you know sprout a mustache and become a man and be bulky and and all those things. But it simply isn't that easy. So I'm glad that you glad you hit on that. So then, okay, so you started lifting around the age of 18, and then you got into powerlifting pretty soon after, right? Yeah, powerlifting around the early 80s. And I really liked it because, you know, powerlifting is you eat and you lift and you rest. Mm-hmm. Eat, lift, rest. I could, I really liked that routine. But again, I was strong for my frame, but powerlifting really was, you know, a long, I'm long and, you know, it's just not a good build for powerlifting, but I enjoyed it. And I, I did get, you know, some good lifts and I competed a, a short, short period of time and got to see some phenomenal athletes. That's where I really started seeing some very big men. You know, they, you know, when you see the, they called Arnold the Oak, that's what it reminded you of. It was a, just a big oak tree. Some of the biggest, strongest people I've ever seen. And the women were phenomenal as well. There were some really good, strong women in the, in the powerlifting. Would you say that it, it would you, did you have, was that world, the powerlifting world, was it pretty welcoming of, of women at that time? Yeah, it was, there was, there was camaraderie and, you know, you saw a lot of coaches, the male coaches were coaching the women athletes. I did, I never, I don't think I ever saw a female coach, but again, it was, it was a subculture. There weren't many, there weren't many of us and, but it was, we weren't, Within the group, within the powerlifting group, we were we were accepted. It was you know you were you were encouraged and cheered on when you did well. So was, yeah. was that the first environment you had been in where you were supported at that degree and encouraged to you know do something you excel at? Yeah, I think it, it that was about the time that you know women, you know, were starting to get into, into the, you know, more visible, I guess you would say that I think there's always been a little bit of that, that we probably don't know about, but that's when it became more visible. And I, among that group, I felt accepted. Society doesn't really accept it or didn't really accept it, but I felt very accepted among that group. Very cool. And and I have powerlifter friends now and, and they kind of say the same thing. It's a very supportive community. You know, obviously I'm I'm not built for it. I'm too tall, but my friends that are are in it, they they all kind of say the same thing. So that's really cool. And so around this time, this is was this around the time you met dad? Yes, I was powerlifting when I met him. I was looking for a new gym. And so it, he, it was just a little, little gym, little hole in the wall. Kind I, of I love this story, by the way. <laughs> and I walked in and I looked around and I, I, you know, it was all heavy lift. It was, it was iron. It was a truly iron gym, gym rats. That's, that's really what, you know, I guess that's where I saw my first gym rats. And, and there were some power lifters there too. But there was a lot of bodybuilding and your father was had competed quite a bit by the time I met him. There was a there were a couple of other guys that that lifted with him. And so I came in and asked some questions and he said, why don't you lift with us? And um, so I I started lifting with him. And I I really in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, I, I think that bodybuilding thing is really cool, but I didn't know how to diet. I knew how to eat, you know, to, to, you know, to be stronger, but I didn't know how to diet to get the, you know, the lean quality, have the lean quality muscle show through. So that's a difference. I I think a lot of people listening probably have never heard the two distinguish, you know, so powerlifting just so, you know, people who were you, the goal is to lift as much weight as possible for very low amount of reps, you know, and, and everyone does the same exact you know, form and it's, it's judged, right. Bodybuilding is all about the physique and creating a, a physique that's proportional and, and, and very, very lean on, on, 
you know, competition day. So two very different sports. So I think it was important to note that because then you transitioned from powerlifting into bodybuilding, which back then was from what I know is pretty common. Everyone started with powerlifting, strength training, and then transitioned yeah. over. I was going to say that a lot of former powerlifters moved over to bodybuilding because they had this, you know, they had the quality muscle. They just had to, it was a different sport, a different goal. And, and then also, it, you know, there's the on season and off season in bodybuilding competition. And so in, in the off season, a lot of people power lifted, you know, it's, they get stronger. And if you're getting bigger and stronger, you're probably adding muscle. Very cool. Big theme here. Don't be afraid to, to lift heavy ladies. You know, that's, that's the quickest way to change your physique is to, to lift heavy. So don't be afraid of the heavy weight. If you don't lift heavy weight, you're just slowing down your progress. Obviously, you want to use good form and everything, but you know, don't be afraid to lift that heavy weight. It's it's going to change your body the fastest and and give you the results you're wanting to see in the mirror. But getting back to you know my dad, talk about you know obviously like I, I love this story because you didn't really like dad at first. Yeah, I'll get back to that. I just wanted to clarify one thing about lifting heavy. Yeah. So that just means that you're lifting a weight that taxes you, that pushes you. That doesn't mean you have to lift or, or bench press 300 pounds. That just means that you 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 push your body to where it's, you know, the growth is there. So that may mean, you know, maybe starting out with five or 10 pounds and, and you know, the reps that the rep range that you need to be in. But it's not about, you know, it's not about tremendous weight. It's just about pushing you to your muscle growth. That's a great point. I'm glad you said that. Heavy for you, subjective, right? Like heavy, what is whatever challenges you, this challenging. And challenging, I guess, is the, almost the better word than heavy because heavy subjective. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, talk about how you didn't like dad when you met him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wasn't, I'm, I'm fairly tall, but I, you know, I, I was a power lifter. And so I had big shoulders and, and, and big thighs. And I, I loved that. You know, I love that. Like I said, eat, sleep and lift. He just had a personality that, that I had never been exposed to. It was a, just a confident sort of picked at you a little bit. He nicknamed me Biggin, uh, Big, big One. Biggin and called me that for a while because we were friends at first. I mean, we were like friends who bantered and and really had that dialogue where we were giving each other a really hard time. And, you know, just it was fun. But, you know, he was just very different from what I was used to. And I think I even made the comment that I would never be married to that guy. I would end up strangling him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Here you are. How many how many years you guys been married? 36? Let me think. We'll be 38, I think, this, this March. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll get into the marriage stuff later if, if you're willing. But that's just I love that story because it, it, you know, he just kind of couldn't stand him at first. And yeah. he just somehow <laughs> somehow grew on you like a tumor. Um, well, it, you know, the you have to get to know a person. And, and so I didn't see the I didn't see the I didn't see him at first. I just mm-hmm. saw what was was just uh, exterior. But after I got to know him and knew his his generous spirit and his he's a great coach, just a phenomenal coach and um, willing to give time to others. I mean, he had, he coached a lot of young athletes, a lot of kids in high school. A lot of his workers would come to him for advice. So, you know, it just over time, first impressions, most of the time are right, but not always. Yeah, he is. That's true. He's a really, really good coach. He has a knack for, he is very generous and he loves to to help people excel at things. So I guess maybe that rubbed off on me a little bit. Dad's also a very brilliant person. He just, he doesn't quit. You know, he doesn't even know what that word means. And I think that he instilled that in me as well. You know, I'm like a cockroach. I just don't, I just don't die. <laughs> I think that I got that from him. That's awesome. So, you know, my, my example, you two both being competitive bodybuilders, you know, then I, I was born and I grew up watching you guys in the base. We have a basement, fully fledged basement home gym, which was awesome. And I grew up in an environment watching you guys just sweat it out and squat and bench press. And, you know, you were doing the same things he was doing. And so it was a really unique upbringing. And it was very impressionable. I mean, you know, it, it impacted me in, in such a way that I don't think I've missed a workout in 
ever. I don't know. I mean, when I, even when I broke my leg in high school, I, I dad had me on the pull-up bar and the bench press. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't think I've ever, you know, it's almost like it's just ingrained in me to, to, to exercise, you know? And so I'm very grateful for that. That's what I what I grew up watching was you two pushing yourself and especially you being, you know, being a woman, it's just not something that you, that you saw. It wasn't common to see someone, not, not necessarily women in the gym, but women strength training, legit, you know, squatting weight, bench pressing big, you know, what was very respectable numbers. So that was just such an awesome thing to see growing up. And so just going back, you know, you, we talked about, you know, you had my sister Kelly when you were 16, 17. Um, 17. Mm-hmm. And, and so dropped out of high school at that time, right? Yes. Dropped out of high school, my junior and then, year. And I, so then you, you went back, got, diploma at some point? Yes. The very, when I turned 18, I, I got a, my GED. Yep. And then went back and got your bachelor's. I think I was, was I in like 18, 19 when you got your bachelor's? Uh, so by the time you were ready to go into kindergarten, there were programs that would help people with no college credit earn a degree. And they were called accelerated programs at that time. And so up, at, up to that point, going to college was going to be a long, drawn-out ordeal. But then programs came along for working adults and to, to help people get up to speed, get their degree in four years, three to four years versus having to work on it piecemeal. So that was that was something that was a great development. But the day that I started working, I started college was the day you started kindergarten and the day that Kelly started college. So the three of us started, it was in the same week. I don't know if it was the exact same day, but the same week you started kindergarten, I started college and your sister started college. I didn't even know that. That's cool. Cool. So, and the reason I was circling back is because you, you know, again, those start, you, you went back, got your GD, got your, your bachelor's and then master's. And what was your master's in? Business. It's an MBA. Right. Got your MBA. And then most recently, your doctorate. Well, I don't know how recently. It took seven and a half years. But I, graduated. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated in 2018 with honors. So I was pretty proud of that because a lot of people thought I'd lost my mind because it's, it's, a, it's an investment. It's a huge investment in time and money. And uh, people thought I was crazy, but I, I did it for two reasons. One, one was to see if I could. Just wanted to see if I could. And the second was I thought it was a good investment that I could teach at some point. And that was always in the back of my mind. And and it's been really crazy how the last year or so that has come to fruition. And I'm doing some some adjunct work in a university and really just love it. I always I always knew I would just really gravitate toward higher education. Yeah. And I just admire you so much for that. And I wanted to, I brought that up because, you know, you did all this with a family working, you know, you, you did, you went your, your bachelor's, your master's, your doctorate, all of it, all of the whole time working full-time job, you know, providing for family. And that's just something that no one can take away from you. And you, you know, you, you did it without, you know, with, I never heard you complain, you know, it's, it's just, it's really cool. I wanted people to hear that and, and know that it's possible and know that if you want something, you just, you go get it, you make it happen. And that's what you did. So I'm just very, I'm very proud of you for that. And well, it helps me to advise students who are working adults, raising families, and and it helps me be more, I can commiserate with them a little bit more and and you know, do things like extend deadlines and 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 ask questions, you know, answer questions and give give examples from my experience. So the other thing that I don't know if you know this, but I am neurodivergent. So I have ADHD. And I could never figure out sometimes why I had to read a page 10, 10 times and still not get it. So I also try to be a champion for people who are neurodivergent. And because we have, we have a little, not, we have different challenges. Everybody has challenges and obstacles, but, but it's a little bit different. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even factor that in either. That's, that's amazing. Got me thinking I might be neurodivergent now. It takes me like 10 times to read a page sometimes. <laughs> so, okay. So that's 
I also, I don't think people know about this, but you, so, you know, you, you competed in bodybuilding when I was 14, you went back and competed at the state level when mm-hmm. I was in high school, which was awesome to watch. I got to watch you do that. Um, so you, you know, and, and before that you were, you achieved a lot in bodybuilding as well. Our, our basement, you all just so you all know, it's like, we have this whole wall full of trophies and it's just, it's like, it's like 80% mom. 10%, 15% dad and 5% me. It's like all oh, mom's bodybuilding truck. It's really cool. But you also took karate. We also took karate as a family and all got our black belts, which was pretty cool. You and I had, had have sparred before dad and I, we, you know, we, we, that's another thing we did as a family that was just really unique. We'd go to the karate dojo and put on the pads and fight, you know, and it was really, really cool. And, and so you're not only a champion bodybuilder and, and highly, highly educated, but you're also a badass as well. So just throwing that in there. Well, that the the dojo, so that we, you know, we studied Ishinru. And it's not just it's not just the sparring, but it's also learning the art. And that also is a pretty tight-knit community, very supportive. But uh, those were some really good times where we were all down there sweating it out and and uh, you know, honing our skills, our self-defense skills and our fighting skills. That was it was it was really fun. Now, I won't say it was all that fun when you started getting to be a teenager and we sparred because it was important for you to win. So that was we had we had some we had a little controversy there, but I think we worked through it. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, we have a a relationship now that I value so much. And it always makes me emotional because I, I just like I'm so happy with our relationship. You know, it wasn't always that way. And I went through some pretty, some pretty rough teenage years. You know, we had some a lot of conflict. I was so just angry as a teenager. And, you know, you had to you had to deal with it. You had to put up with it. And, you know, there were some some rough times. And I'm just so happy that I guess I don't remember when it was. Well, I don't know what it took for me to finally realize the the value of of a relationship with my mother. But, you know, I remember we sat down at Monterey's, which is a Mexican restaurant and, and where we, you know, in Tennessee, where we, where we lived and we had a lunch together. You remember that? I remember. Yes. Yeah, We had a lunch and we just kind of hashed it all out, you know, and, and that's, it's so important. I, I, I'm so grateful for our relationship. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, like, obviously I think people can know 10 minutes into this, this episode, just how, how much, how highly I think of you, but you're, you know, you're, you're like the, the mascot for our, for my, my career, for our program, which is where we, you know, we empower women to, you know, obviously train, change their bodies, transform their bodies. Like that's a given in our program that's going to happen, but also obtain confidence and, and empowerment and feel, you know, love who they are and love the body they have and, and, and be proud of who they are and cultivate that wholeness, you know? And, and so I always tell, I always say that, man, I'm just trying to, I want you all to to be Lynn Willett. I want that's what I want your end result to be is to embody everything that that you embody. Somebody who just went after what you wanted. You you didn't let anything hold you back. You did you you've I mean, we haven't even talked about your your career in in human resources in a male dominated industry, you know, and and that I think very highly of that as well. But you know, a, a lot of people ask me, why do you only coach women? Why is it why is it women? Why don't you coach men? And it's just you know, seeing that growing up, seeing seeing you being my example was was a huge huge driving force behind that. I've just always wanted to empower women, and I give my I give dad a lot of credit as well. You know, he's always supported you and always cheered you on, and and I I think he gave a lot of that to me as well. So one thing I, I did want to, I didn't want to talk about because it's, it's kind of pertains to, to what I do now. And you can shed a lot of light on this is there's a lot of fads now. There's a lot of like, you know, like diets and crazes and fasting and all this stuff. Did, did any of that like exist back in like the seventies, eighties, nineties? Like, was there like diet fads and stuff back then? Oh, yeah. 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 You know, the diet pills were a big thing, but starvation was, you know, you just had to starve. That was, that was the mindset. You just, you know, live on lettuce. So those were a couple, I think that's around the time. I remember Atkins coming into play, Weight Watchers. So yeah, that, you know, that's, those things have been around for, for quite a while, but you know, it's, it's, it's really just use common sense, go for the long haul, play the long game. It's small incremental changes that you make to where it's it's just part of part of your lifestyle. That's that's what you reach for at the grocery store. That's what you cook. 
in the kitchen. That's what you eat day after day. It's just for health, overall health, with a what I call the long game. You just uh, taking shortcuts or doing a fad is it may be effective very quickly for a short time, but it's not sustainable. But if you're living the, if you're living it, how you eat and how you think and how you approach your lifestyle, whereas it's, you know, it's not a diet. It's just, it's, it's, these are the foods I eat because I want to be healthy and feel good and they taste good. And I'm not sacrificing anything. If you want to have chocolate, have it, have a chocolate. You know, if you want, if you want ice cream on Saturday, have ice cream. Don't, you know, but the rest of the time, I always call it, I call it, I think I've heard you say something simpler, similar, but 80-20. So be 80% angel and you can be 20% devil if you want. But if you're by and large doing the right things on a constant basis, then that's that's where you'll really see, reap the long-term rewards. And now you used to, you used to kind of do what I do before the internet. You, didn't you used to coach people? I did some training around, especially around nutrition. I had to, I had to do my own formulas, my own, you know, the metabolic rate. I had to do that, all that in a spreadsheet, figure it out, you know, step by step. There, there weren't any apps. Yeah. Will you please talk about, okay. I remember watching you do this, but talk about how, what you did to track food when you were competing and stuff like that process. Oh, okay. Um, well, everything was manual. So you, you had to go to your book. Your little, your little book, whatever, whatever you got that had calorie counts and figure out portions and, and how many grams and, and, you know, carbs, fats, proteins and, and calories. And you had to calculate all that. With a pen and paper. Yes. With a calculator and and eventually a spreadsheet. Yeah. (laughs) And then what kind of scale did you use? It was one of those, like had two, one on each side, right? Yeah. That was one of the old ones. Yeah. Because yeah. they didn't have digital food scales back then, did they? No, and it was more around measuring, like cups and, and ounces. Mm-hmm. It was more that than it was weighing. Wow. We, you just didn't hear people about people weighing their food. Mm-hmm. It's more measuring. Dang. So there was even more room for for error. So like, yeah, you, you had to look it up in a book, the food item, hope that it was in there. Find a, it probably had different, I would say it probably had one cup equals this and two cups equals this, something like that, right? Yeah. Well, it was, you know, portion size, a typical portion size. And it might be, okay, if we're looking at beef, they might say four ounces of beef is this. So if you ate five and a half, you'd have to do that. Yeah, you have to calculate it. Yeah. (laughs) And now app does that entire process for us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's crazy. You know, I always, I always say it because, you know, our clients sometimes they're like, ah, oh, this is so cumbersome. Like you have no idea. <laughs> you only yeah. knew what my mom had to do. Yeah. You have to, everything you want to eat, you had to look it up mm-hmm. and figure it out and do your own, do your own math. Couldn't scan barcodes back then. huh? Nope. Oh man, that's great. Sometimes I wish it was still like that. Yeah. I mean, if that's all, you know, you don't know, you don't know that there's a better way. That's, that's yeah. it. You know, and that's they, what you know. They have technology now. You just take a picture of the food and it's, it tracks it for you. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy, but that's amazing. Very cool. Do you have any funny, do you have any funny Maverick stories from when I was a kid? I probably can think of some. I have to make sure that it's what we call it. It's not. It's Incriminating? A, no, <laughs> no. Parental advisory. Oh, that's okay. No, gosh. You were, you were a really good kid. I mean, you were just, you weren't, you weren't aggressive or boisterous. You were, you were a good kid. There were always funny stories because couldn't get you to wear shoes. You didn't want to wear shoes up, you know, until you started school and had to wear shoes, but always wore, always wanted to wear light blue gym shorts, always, you know, the long shorts, the long basketball shorts everywhere you went. I guess the Batman suit is, is a good one. I was Batman for years. yeah, Batman, full Batman suit with the pointy ears, with a little mask, and you just would not part with it. You slept in it, you played in it. I'd have to grab it when you know when you weren't looking and wash it. Wore it in the grocery store. You didn't care, and it wasn't Halloween. It was it was past Halloween, <laughs> and but you liked wearing your your Batman, and you would say, "I'm Batman." 
That's super fun. Oh, yeah. I, that's uh, what age was that? That was what, like elementary school age or before then? That was much younger. That was probably around three or four. Oh, okay. Okay. Very cool. So if you, if you, if you were going to give women like one, I know I'm jumping around here, but if you were going to give women like this most simple advice ever, they're like, Hey, I want to, Lynn, I want to lose 50 pounds and I'm, I'm 60, I'm 60 years old. You know, what's, what's the easiest way to do this? Like, what would you, what would your advice be as somebody who has maintained great shape your entire life? If I have to boil it down to one word, I would say research, educate, educate yourself about nutrition, learn, you know, learn basic food prep, learn, learn the nutritional value. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, exercise as well. You, you have to, you can't be eating foods that make you miserable or, or things you don't like. Find the things you do. Like if you don't like oatmeal, try, try cream of rice, you know, try some, some other grain. You don't have to eat oatmeal to, to be successful. You don't have to like chicken, you know, you, there are lots of sources of protein, but just, just educate yourself on, you know, nutrition values and how to shop for food, you know, what to let go of. You don't have to completely ever let go of donuts or chocolate. You can have it, but it's not your staple. It's your, you know, it's your treat or your, what you reward yourself with. I think it keeps people from binging when they can continue to have the things that they really love. I mean, I used to love donuts. I don't really care for donuts anymore, but I would let myself have a donut and then I'd go back and have eat, eat healthy. But binging is, you know, I think that's one big downfall for folks. And then when you binge, you, you feel like a failure and you don't want to pick yourself back up. So if you can avoid those pitfalls, but yeah, I guess just educate yourself, read, study, ask questions. Yeah, I think... I think it's hard for people from what I've seen, it's hard for people to find good information now with the internet. You know, it's, you know, back when it was before the internet, I mean, there was less information. I don't think that was a bad thing because there, you know, it was easier to find the the good information. Now it's just people are bombarded with stuff all day, every day and people conflicting with people giving, you know, doctors giving conflicting advice. It's just so confusing for people. So it's important to find you know, good sources of information. And- well, I think the 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 ease of it now is that anyone, you don't have to be credible. You don't have to be an expert. Anyone can put information out there. Yeah. You know, before before it was like that, you know, if you, you had to put forth effort and, and publish a book, you know, if you wanted to get your, your views out there. And so that costs money and it's time and, and you have to, you know, do some work. But now it's just so easy. Anyone can self-publish. Anyone can self-promote. Anyone can, can get to be out there and, and talk about their, you know, their, their program. I mean, look at me, you know, <laughs> people like me can do it. Anybody can do it. On that note, what do you, what do you, what's your honest opinion? Like, do you ever scroll through my content and like, you're just like, oh no, what's he doing? He, why, does, why does he have an axe? What is he doing in this video? <laughs> Do you ever get embarrassed? <laughs> no, you know, that's what that's what I saw as you grew up. I mean, that's just a that's just a, a the next chapter of what I had seen for all the, you know, all the years you were growing up, because you have that crazy sense of humor. And I know you're creative. You know, yeah, I, I do say, I wonder where this is going. But, <laughs> but I'm not, I don't think I've I don't think I've been embarrassed yet. But I do say, okay, where is this going? And <laughs> and wow, he's really creative today. <laughs> I can only imagine, especially back when the wigs were were a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to ask you that. That's so funny, but that's that's really interesting because you're right. I was kind of a crazy, a crazy kid with you know I was wild and I was kind of a, a class clown. And you know I, I liked having the. I think that was like my first bit of feeling getting recognition was when I made people laugh. You know, in mm-hmm. class, I, I, I always wanted to be on whose line is it anyway? That was one of my favorite shows. So it's it's funny that you say that. You know, it's like when I was younger, I wanted to be a comedian, and, and that now I do get to be comedic. It's just in a, it's just weird how life works. You know, you, you it's like I got what I wanted, but just in a completely different way than I anticipated. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep. I get to make people laugh. So really cool. And, 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 you know, a lot of the stuff I, I learned in nutrition came from, from you, you know, and, and in my opinion, you're way ahead of your time with a lot of things, especially like the supplementation part, you know, you were talking about things like NAD plus and stuff like that. Like 
years ago. And then all of a sudden, you know, 10, 15 years later, it gets super popularized. And I was like, I heard, I heard mom say this when I was like 10 years old. So that was always really remarkable. You had a knack for finding information and knowing stuff, you know, way before it got popularized. Really, really cool. And a lot of my nutrition, especially like the stuff hormonal, hormonally, you know, came from books that you all had laying around the house when I was, when I was younger, you know, you guys had a lot of nutrition books, training books, and just kind of in a bookshelf and stuff. And and so that's where I, I learned all this stuff really young. And of course you guys taught me with, with training and everything as well. You guys were, were pivotal in that. Yeah. We, you know, a lot of those books you talk about, there were subject matter experts during those times, respected, respected, like I said, subject matter experts who were getting results of people they worked with. And, you know, they were, they were an authority. So you ha- now you have to cull a lot more misinformation from that. But, you know, you said it was sometimes you wish it was like that. It was a simpler time. I mean, there was misinformation, but a lot of those, I was going through them the other day and there's some, you know, it's, it's some people that, you know, they were, Evidence it was evidence based, and and they knew they knew nutrition, they knew it, and and how it how it could impact your health. Do you think that things have changed really when it comes to what works? Like when it comes to like training, for instance, do you think the same things that worked for people in the seventies are the same things that will work for people now? Just my personal opinion. There's really nothing new under the sun. We may we may come up with a state of the art supplements and state of the art equipment. Nutrition is definitely. I mean, it's there's two sides of this, but you know, new, people have access to food, more access to food, good food now than used to. It's just it's more available. But a bicep curl is a bicep curl is a bicep curl. <laughs> a squat. There's different variations, but you know the the major muscles that you work. That's that's still the same. You have to keep it interesting. I, I understand people get bored, so we need to be creative. But I think the basics are the that were thirty years ago are still the basics today. I agree. <laughs> Absolutely, keep it simple. Simple stuff still works. What are some of the your you know you your avid reader? I don't know how many books. I don't know how many books you've read. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a ton. But what are some of your favorite books that you've read? Oh wow, you're right. It's hard to it's hard sure. to narrow one down. And what I've been reading lately is so different. I mean, I read a lot of leadership, and now I'm reading a lot of textbooks. But I guess Warren Bennis, Warren Bennis on becoming a leader. I, I really like his wisdom. And then I could go back and, and look up all the nutrition books I used to read. Frank Zane, Clarence Bass, Corey Everson. Corey Everson was my role model. I really looked up to her. I think she's a fine human being. Even to this day, she looks phenomenal after winning six Miss Olympias. She And she's a little bit older than I am. But she just looks great. She's got a great attitude. So I would read all the experts in nutrition. I think Rachel McLish was another one. She she had a book. But they really, they knew what they were doing, those folks. So I, I, I liked the nutrition books. There was one called Eating to Win. That was where I learned a lot about, you know, trying to eat nutrition for for athletic performance. Eating to win was one. I guess my favorite that I'm reading now, there's a couple. It's because I'm I have spent a lot of time with the Critical Thinking Foundation, Foundation for Critical Thinking. I, I do I do a lot of work, not for the foundation, but I I spend a lot of time studying their work. I guess I'll put it that way, and 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 listening to the scholars. So, "Liberating the Mind" by Dr. Linda Elder. That is one of my favorite books. It's it really um, is a, a logical, rational, reasonable, critical thinking book. She makes you think. She makes you sit back and and uh, her writing makes you sit back and think. And some people would would be offended or not offended, but would might not agree with what she says. But so I really enjoy reading a lot about critical thinking and leadership. So I can't tell you one book, one author, but I gave you a couple of examples. Yeah. What are you most proud of at this point in your life? Well, I'm very proud of you. I'm just, I I just am so impressed and amazed at the work that you've done and the people's lives that you're changing. And 
I, I, the reason I went into HR and the reason that I love teaching is because you can have an impact on people's lives. You can have a positive impact. And it might not be anything huge. It might just be helping someone through a, through a struggle or, or work through a problem. But you're touching lives and you're making a difference in people's lives. So I'm just hugely proud of that. I'm proud of the man that you've become. I'm, I'm proud of the father that you are. I'm proud of the son that you are. And I, I'm proud of, you know, staying the course myself with a lot of things, just staying the course. Sometimes it's so difficult and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do a lot of things that you want to do and get them all, get them all accomplished. And sometimes it's hard to have patience, but I am proud that, you know, that I have stuck the course with trying to lead a healthy lifestyle. And although I do like an occasional cigar, Mm -hmm. but only every once in a while. But yeah, so I'm just, I'm proud to have have my health and my family and, and, and just a very small circle of close friends, you know, having, having healthy relationships. Healthy relationships. 38 year marriage. What Mm -hmm. is your, what, what would you say? What would you say is the is the glue that holds you all together? And I mean, what is what is the key to having a long lasting, happy, healthy marriage? I, I don't know that there's a secret. You know, it's so individual, and and people are just so different in what they want from a relationship. But I think having you know having similar values and wanting some of the same things. And of course, you know, when we first met, we were both, you know, we both lifted and, and, and we, we enjoyed that aspect. And so that was, that was a bond. And, and so that, that lifestyle is, is, you know, kind of ties you together because it's a commonality and, and probably very similar values. Not all, not all the same, but, but similar, similar work ethic, similar perspectives on life. And I would say that each of you have changed quite a bit, obviously, over the past 38 years. And maybe crazy if you didn't change over that over that time period. Um, but would you say that? Would you say that the things that brought you together when you first met in the first few years of marriage, would you say that those things and going back to those things and and always holding those close has, has that helped as the changes of life have, have come during that time? Well, yeah, I think early bonds, they're strong enough, you know, they'll sustain through a lot of challenges, but people do change and you, you kind of have to, if one person's growing in a, in a direction that can create some problems because the other person might not understand, well, why are you, why do you want to do that? Why, why, why are you changing? You're not the same person anymore. You know, you're different. So you have to be willing to navigate those choppy waters. And uh, I mean, this is just my viewpoint. And you have to be willing to not walk away when there's when there are difficult conversations mm. and just stick with it. Stick with it and talk it through and, and don't walk off from it, even if it gets frustrating. But just commit to saying, OK, I'm going to work through this problem. We're going to talk about it, even if we get one of us gets angry, when, even if one of us gets emotional. But um just just being willing to work through that and know that it's not always going to be good. It's not always going to feel good and it's not always going to be easy. Mm. Yeah, I was just talking to a mentor of mine recently. We we're talking about co-creating in a relationship. Yes, that's the ideal. You want to co-create. And then in conflict, like you said, spot on, you know, being able, being willing to you know, stay and stay in the arena and, and work through it. Yeah. And no, no low blows. <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep it high. Keep it. Don't go low. <laughs> right. You know, for those of us that are, you know, can't working, unring that bell. <laughs> some of them you can't. No, no. That's, that's important. That's important too, because yeah, it's sometimes we say things when we're upset and, you know, that takes to take a lot of time to, to heal that, even if it wasn't meant, you know? So I think, Staying in the arena, but also maybe knowing when it's okay to press pause so that someone says it doesn't say something stupid or hurtful and, you know, pause and cool down, come back when we can make it. Hey, like what I want to solve the problem. 
I don't want it to be me versus you. I want it to be us versus the problem. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's tough. All that's all that's way easier said than done because we're we all bring like we all bring baggage into relationships and preconceived. Yeah, and, and you know, most arguments we want to win. Somebody, you know, we want to win, and if everybody wants to win that argument, then you know, sometimes people fight dirty and sometimes people fight clean. But if they want to win that argument, you know, that's that's what's important to them rather than coming to a solution or figuring out the problem. Right. That's a big one. No, there's no nobody really wins. This is the thing. <laughs> you don't actually win. We get so invested in being right. Yeah. I mean, you, it, once you can lose that and that's something that's really hard for me to let go of. It, I don't want to be right. Mm hmm. Yeah, me too. I think we all we all want to be right, but it's in the day. It's like what's most important, you know. It's like we love each other, so let's just let's just seek to understand rather than prove a point, you know. Again, I'm these are all things I'm still working on. I'm not good at yet, but that's the you know from from what I've learned. It's I want to seek to understand before I seek to prove my point, you know. Yeah. And that's what I like about what the work you're doing. It's not just nutrition. It's not just fitness. It's the whole person. It's the mind and the body because the mind's stronger than the body any day. Mind, the mind leads the way. Body the follows mind, the mind. That's the direction. Yes. So that's what I love about it, that it's, it's, it's the whole life. It's the whole person, you know, and you, People have, you know, people are raising families, you know, going back to school, just busy lives. And you have to also take care of yourself. Yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously, we the way we market is to, you know, talk about the result that people want, the surface level result, which is I'm not happy with what I see in the mirror and I want to change that. And then it's funny because once we're like in our actual program, a lot of it is, you know, I mean, you've been on a, a, one of our group calls before. We we talk about nutrition. We do. We answer questions on nutrition. But when it comes time to really like layer it in at the end, I just I talk about mindset. I talk about behavior modification. I talk about triggers. I talk about, you know, cheating and, and the feelings that come before that. And obviously, we're not therapists. We're big advocates of therapy. But we also know that, like you said, it's what's happening between the ears that people are struggling with. You know, the mm-hmm. nutrition stuff is actually very simple, but making, you know, creating new habits and, and replacing old habits with new habits that serve the right need. That's a lot of behavior modification. So that's like a bulk yeah. of what we're actually doing. And it's why women are getting results is because we're, we're changing behavior. You know, it's, and that's, that's not easy. It takes time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's work and it's, but it's a work that is so rewarding. You know, it's, and it's not, it's not huge dramatic things. It's the small incremental things. It's the, it's the little things. Mm-hmm. Over compound time. interest. Mm-hmm. Compound interest. 1%. I think it's the book I read that in Atomic Habits. It was like, if you do, if you get 1% better at something every day, by the end of one year, you'll be 36 times better at that thing. So, and if you do that with a few things, you know, you can be a whole different, you have a whole different reality at the end of a year. But like you were saying in the very beginning, people uh, in large part, especially in today's times when we have Amazon Prime, Netflix, all these things, it's like they want it now. They want it now and whatever, whatever the quickest route is. And they stay in that cycle of once I weigh this number, I'll be happy. Once I have X, I'll be happy. And then they get X and we just move the goalposts. Like, well, I'm still unhappy. Now I want this. You know, it's like a it's a way to keep yourself perpetually. So it's like this tug of war between contentment with where we're at and not confusing that with complacency because we can still self-improve. We can still work on ourselves. We can still, you know, change our body composition, you know, become a better person, whatever it is. But we can also be very content with who we are, our body. You know all those things, and that's it art. Feels like a at peace with you know at peace with oneself. Would you say you have that? I'm a work in progress. <laughs> we all we're all works in progress. Yeah. That's an honest so, answer. Yep, that's an honest answer. Yeah, and I mean that's you know that just goes to show you there's no we were talking before like before the episode there's no finish line to the work you know you just continue to work and your quality of life increases and 
my life, I can only speak for myself, but you know, my life continuously improves over time as I get older. Life gets gets better and better as a result of, you know, pointing the finger at myself and <laughs> continuing to work on things. Um, yeah, I don't think I would ever I, I've never wanted to be 20 again. Never or 30. That's interesting. Because a lot of people do. <laughs> no, it's those are turbulent times for, for a lot of young adults. And I was, you know, it, it was a tough time for me. So I, the later years were, were much, I became wiser. And it was, yeah, it's just much better than the turbulent 20s and 30s and starts kind of coasting a little bit at 40 and get a little more sanity and a little more common sense. Yeah. Yeah, before you know it, your your grandson's going to be looking down at both of us. Yeah, he's going to be tall. He's going to be huge. <laughs> oh, man, he's so tall. Yeah. What do you think about Denver? I just want to squeeze him. I just want to hold him close because, you know, he's growing up so fast. And, you know, I don't get to see him a lot. But I just uh, really, I really am crazy about the kid. Is it? How, how, what's the difference? I mean, obviously there's a big difference, but can you describe like how it feels with a grandchild versus a child? Well, with a child, I think you feel a very heavy responsibility. In most instances with the grandchild, you can hand them back. Okay. okay <laughs> we're, we're, we're finished playing now. You, you take over, but yeah. you don't feel that you don't feel that heavy weight unless you're, of course, a lot of people are helping raise their grandchildren, but you just don't feel that heavy responsibility or that's how it feels to me. It's more, and I've heard a lot of grandparents say this, it's fun. It's more fun. Whereas when you're raising your own children, you're worrying, you're trying to make a living, you know, there's all kinds of things going on. And, and, but with grandchildren, by then you've, reached a point in your life where you're you're more calm and and collected and and you can just focus on having fun with that with that little human being yeah and you guys do have fun (laughs) all right well mom i uh, we could talk for days but i i just want to say i really appreciate you coming on and i love you to death and yeah, I know. I know people will love hearing from you and I know people have been looking forward to this. So I appreciate you. And again, obviously think the world of you and I love you very much. And I appreciate you coming on. Well, I love you. And I, you know, we didn't have a script, so I didn't know what we were going to say. So I didn't prepare. So it is what it is. I just tried to squeeze as much as I could out of you as much wisdom <laughs> as I could. So I appreciate um, you being willing to answer some, some curveballs there. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you all listening. If you like this, you know, give me a five-star rating so I can get this thing out there. More people can hear it. Appreciate you all listening. Have an awesome, awesome rest of your day. If you liked what you heard on this episode, ladies, share it with your friends. And if you want to finally escape dieting culture and get body results that make your ex wish he never mistreated you, check out the link for the Revenge Body Metabolic Revamp. You can find that in the show notes. And remember, ladies, you are powerful.